Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Happy Thursday morning, boss man. Welcome. Oh, Jesus. Whoa. Here we are. We're back. Oh, my gosh. We got a high energy 1030 God. in the morning. It's Thursday morning, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. I got the boss man with me. Today, we're talking about a broad range of topics. The first, how to regain or find motivation in your business. Often when you're working alone, when you're the boss, a lot of stress, it's pretty easy to slack off. We're also going to talk about how to successfully pitch yourself to be a speaker at conferences. 2022 is going to be the year of the event, boss man. I'm calling it. These tips could be used to help land you on a podcast like this. And at the end, we're going to talk about cash, assets, the lifestyle ladder, and our own crypto portfolios. Stick around for that. Before we do that, Ian, I thought it'd be interesting if we talked about some of the news. First thing, uh, me and you are hosting a Christmas party in whoa, Austin, whoa, whoa, Texas. Whoa, 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 There's a lot of different faiths out there, my friend. I will not be wearing <laughs> a Christmas I... sweater. <laughs> I will be wearing a different type of sweater. We will be hosting a party to commemorate the month of December, entrepreneurship, <laughs> togetherness, whatever. It's going to be December 16th. It's going to be hosted by the DC Dynamite Circle and Dynamite Jobs. But if you have an entrepreneurial friend or some family members or a partner you'd like to bring to the party, we'd love to meet you in Austin, Texas. More information over at the website. If you're a DC member, you can read about it inside the private forum. One of the things people have been talking about is they love when you come on and give news updates. You've been grinding away over at the DJ product. I want to say one of the things I mentioned on stage in Mexico is that since the summer of 2020, we have generated over half a million dollars in new sales at Dynamite Jobs. It's turned into a thing. It's a thing now. Every day we're building new features. We're adding new users. We're getting new clients and customers. It's pretty exciting to be back in the game. Bunch of other things going on in the business. We won't belabor it too much, Ian. I know you're working on a new contract recruiting product, which would be risk-free, essentially employing developers that actually work for us, yeah. but you pay them in a contract manner. We're also doing a lot of stuff over at the DC. We have a whole slate of events at 2022. Going to be doing a little price increase there at uh, January 1st. Price of steel in China is going up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Memberships Inflation, are going baby. up. <laughs> if you want to join the DC, now's the time because I'm raising that price to march along with inflation. And I don't think we've touched it since like 2014 or 15 era, Ian. So we're due for a price increase there. That's it with the news. Let's get moving on to our first listener question. Question number one, Patrick writes us, hi, love the show. Considering joining the DC, I'd love your thoughts on this plateau I'm hitting, which I imagine others have hit as well. Here, I'll describe it. I've built a SaaS business up myself. I'm a solo developer, and I've hired out customer support to help. And this year, I've reached and exceeded my MRR goals. Congratulations, Patrick. Number two, essentially, my money goals are complete in the short-term side of things. But I'm finding now that I've hit this goal, all motivation to continue improving and scaling the business has disappeared. As it stands, the software and the monthly income can continue 
without me needing to do much, if any, work, which is the dream. Essentially, it's the plateau of, quote, making it, but not having the motivation to continue growing or doing work. I'm not needing more money right now, so it's tough for me to find the drive to work every day. And on the flip side, it's not like I'm filling my time with other fun stuff I want to do. I just procrastinate and watch YouTube and slack off. Any ideas for the obstacle? Thanks, guys. Patrick. Well, Patrick, a couple disclaimers. Number one, appreciate the honesty. Number two, I can relate. (laughs) I totally understand what you're talking about. Number three, the advice we're about to spool here is just for entertainment purposes only. No judgments on you or your situation. I think it's incredible what you've achieved. And for listeners of the pod out there, this is a very real outcome. You know, This idea that you can go on your own, you can live an adventurous lifestyle location independently. And you know, at the beginning, it can feel really, really difficult. Like, how am I ever going to make as much as I made in a job with my own thing? And then it's just sort of a couple years into it, it can rear its head and boom, you're there. And all of a sudden, you don't have to work every day. And you can feel isolated from other people because now you're the boss and you're traveling around or you're not going to an office or you're not part of a hierarchy situation anymore. And you're just sort of sitting there on YouTube figuring out how people build boats in their backyards. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) What's interesting, Ian, is when we both read Patrick's email, I think we both really loved the question and we both had the first response. I'll let you tip it off there. What was your first response when you read this? My first response was go have fun. (laughs) Enjoy the fruits of your labor. I think you and I, maybe me more than you, sometimes don't feel like I deserve this, you know? Sometimes I sit here and I'm like, man, I don't, I don't deserve this. I'm supposed to be miserable. I'm supposed to sit here like, <laughs> I'm supposed to not ride my bike, you know? Because like everybody else is like working. Why shouldn't I be working? So you start to feel guilty about kind of enjoying your success. And a lot of times it's because for some people, especially it comes easy. You sat in front of your laptop for six hours a day for three years and like, you did it. So I would say, first of all, yeah, don't sit in front of your computer feeling sorry for yourself watching endless YouTube. Like actually go out there and do things because essentially, I think when you go out there and do things, like you're going to be met with other resistance. You're going to find other challenges. You know, maybe your business does fall apart. You know, maybe it isn't as like sewn together as you think it is. And actually, when you start taking your foot off the gas or stop paying attention to trends or stop interacting with people, things are going to fall apart. So I do think that it makes sense to try and break it or at least walk away and do something that's fun. Let's dig in here because on the one hand, Ian and I have a chorus of go have fun, Patrick, go have fun, be polarized, don't feel guilty, You know, either be working or be surfing or traveling or doing a hobby, You know, go out there and get polarized at the beginning. But I think this tension that you're pointing to is like, hey, this is a short-term thing, right? Like, this is a short-term thing that I'm watching YouTube. It's a short-term thing that I'm making enough money, but I'm not retired, right? And so I do think it makes sense to dig in. We're going to give you some spaghettis to throw against the wall. Hopefully, something will hit. The first thing I do is encourage you to think about what you want to do and not what you should do. There's this inherent idea, like now that I've got my business to this level, there's something that should happen to this business. I should grow up. It should scale. And that's not necessarily the case. Dig into what kind of person you are. Are you a project person, a community person, 
a creative person, an organizational person, a lifelong CEO, there's a lot of like positive breakthroughs that can come from digging into what you're really great at and doing that again rather than doing what you're supposed to do because you're now a grown-up because you own this business. You don't ever have to grow up. That's the best part. Another point, and we're just like dissecting this email. So, you know, I think this has to do a lot with Patrick, but it also has to do with the other people that also have this question. You know, it's hard to speak directly to Patrick again because he's not on the show here. Caveat's taken. But one of the things he says in his email is, I'm not needing more money right now. So it's tough for me to find the drive to do the work every day. And I think this is important to point out. And a lot of it has to do with like how old you are and where you are in your career. I'm not actually needing more money right now either, Dan, but I have a young child and he's in a very expensive school and he probably will be in a very expensive school (laughs) for the next 15 plus years, right? And so you kind of have to project out and figure out like what right now is. And I think part of that is just understanding like the asset versus the cash flow versus having the cash. And we've talked about this a lot on this show in the past, which is like why we have some regrets about selling our business. Essentially, it was a great cash flow machine and it was an asset. We got paid for that asset, but eventually the cash runs out. So I think what I would be trying to figure out if I was you, Patrick, is like if you're making really good money right now, what can you do with that money, especially because you have a ton of time, to build your next asset that will kind of cash flow you into maybe your 30s, 40s, 50s, however old you are. Because I think that you're going to want different things through these different generations. My idea of like made it in my 30s was definitely different than my idea of like made it in my 40s. Because I actually see like a whole different like plateau. Yeah. I see a whole bunch of different people. I see a whole bunch of different opportunities. Question is, and this is like really hard, I think, to do. I don't have any great tips for how to do it. But what I would say is like take that money that you're making right now and like put it into some assets or like keep this asset going, especially. So you have more options for the future because I think that your ideas about life are going to be different the older that you get. My second reaction to this is the same as Ian's. And I frame it this way don't squander your earning years. What if we redefine slacking into tinkering? Because these things are often counterintuitive, like Ian points out, the way they come about. Put yourself on the path towards FU money. And I'll tell you what, if you have multiple projects that are covering your living expenses as a young person, you are on that path, even if it doesn't feel like it right now. And if you keep your eye on the ball, you'll wake up when you're my age, when you're 40, when you're 45, when you're 50 with FU money and you'll be done ski and you'll be managing your empire forevermore. One of my regrets in my career, I'm 40 years old. For a few years there, I took my eye off the ball. And I think it's worth having a daily practice that's fun, that you resonate with, that continues to advance this asset march that Ian's talk about. So practically speaking, you could redefine in the short term what enough money means. Enough money isn't covering your living expenses. You need to be saving and purchasing assets as part of that plan and having time to tinker on, you know, there's a bunch of different options you can choose. You hear them on the show all the time, whether it's going out and doing dividend investing, whether it's getting involved in funds, getting involved in Web3 and crypto technologies, or just simply building your next business that's fun and exciting for you. You could also, one of the interesting things I've seen a lot of guys in Patrick's position. I'm just going to share like a kind of an anonymous anecdote, which is you're really good at building stuff and 
you're not really great at like running some big company that's serious. Well, fine. Having that initial victory is a golden ticket to partnerships, to parlays, to exciting deals with new people, because all of a sudden you've proven yourself as a guy and get things done. So I've seen people in your position, Patrick, parlay their first success into business partnerships that are ultimately just fun, profitable friendships. That's another way that you can take what you've done and take it in this way that, uh, you know, it's not what you should do. It's what you want to do. It's fun. Let's start a new thing with this guy and see how it goes. How about join a mastermind? We do that at the DC. There's a bunch of ways that you can get a mastermind going on Twitter, find people in a similar situation to you, talk to them every single week. I got a phone call with multiple people every Friday where I catch them up with, hey, here's what I'm doing. What are you doing? I want something to say on those calls. And then finally, I was walking around my courtyard here, Ian, the other day. And you know, it was after a day of work. And I just saw a bunch of lonely remote workers in their rooms with their big old 35-inch monitors or whatever. You know, And I just thought to myself, man, you know what's nicer than this? Having a tribe. And I thought about the DCers who stayed in Mexico City after the event because I was just on a Zoom call and I saw all these DCers and all these people in the DJ team walking around this wonderful looking co-working space. I thought about Patrick. I thought, why isn't he there in that room where there's 10 young people all working on these interesting projects? I think what you'd find in that room, Patrick, if you found a tribe of people with similar challenges as you, is that you have an incredible asset in that room. And when you're alone, it can be difficult to see that asset in yourself. And it can be difficult to be the only person doing what you're doing. You know, Most of my friends and family don't really understand what it is I do. And even if over the years they've started to understand what I do, I don't think they really recognize the unique challenges and stresses that you face every day. Having to find that fundamental motivation We talked about going back to basics this year at the conference. We talked about the basic stuff, showing up, working every day, being accountable, going to therapy, whatever that basics is in your case. I think about the things that Ian and I do on a daily basis in our business. You know, Ian's great at managing people. He's great at running a team. He's great at cutting deals. He's great at making sales. He's great at finding great values. Those are things that he was great at when I first met him. It's like Ian's going to Ian. In my case, Ian and I were on a phone call yesterday where I was pitching him on, hey, I think we should throw a party for Christmas. I think we should throw this event for this. I was doing that when I was 16. Like Dan's going to Dan. Dan was writing essays and talking a lot when he was 16. So Patrick, there's something about you that is special. And I think if you can tap into that and repeat, rinse, get around people who value it, that's one really powerful way to get out of a productivity slump. There's a secret to why so many listeners of this show are in the know when it comes to SEO. That's right. They call smashdigital.com. The founder, Travis Jameson, has been on the show countless of times. And I got to say, a heartfelt and honestly has been an incredible inspiration and has done so much for the listeners of this show in terms of them ranking better and creating more results for themselves and their families. That's my copy. Here's the ad copy. So many listeners of this pod use the services of smashdigital.com. They really know what they're talking about. This is a skin in the game operation. That means 
They use the exact same methods for their clients that they do to rank their own portfolio of profitable businesses. They are selling the strategies that they are using. They are practitioners, and it's incredibly empowering to deal with no BS experts who are just straight up and honest about what they can and can't do for your rankings and SEO in general. Bottom line is this, smashdigital.com provides SEO services for people who understand SEO. So if you want to have Smash Digital in your business's back pocket or just learn more about what they do, check them out over at smashdigital.com. A big shout out to the team over there for sponsoring the TNBA pod. Number two question, what are some tips for getting selected as a speaker at a conference? I think this has some crossover too to pitching yourself for podcasts like this one. You see a lot, a lot of pitches and not so many successful ones. Of course, Ian, we all get like a bunch of these crappy pitches in our inbox. We're not talking about that, right? We want to talk about the people who are on the borderline. That's who I care about. There's people who have great messages, great businesses. They want to speak, but they just can't get over the hump. Let's talk about some general tips for those folks. Number one is do the work in front of people. It's a lot easier to be compelling. You know, I heard a tip. I can't remember where. It was about Twitter bios. The idea was is that on your Twitter bio, you should say like the minimum impressive thing about you. And I thought it was a really good insight because a lot of people lead with their credential. Like I'm the CEO, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, it's not that relevant. What's relevant is actually showing the work. Like here's a very specific thing that this credible person did. It is interesting for this reason. And to the second point, serve their audience, not yours. Most audiences don't want your traveling roadshow unless your name is Seth Godin. What they want is to buttress their point. So here at the TMBA, we are serving the TMBA audience. We don't care about what you do over there. We care about what we do here and how can you contribute to that. Now, how can you figure that out? Identify your North Star point person. There's somebody who can point out in you what is interesting to any given audience. Recently, I spoke at MicroConf. I went back and forth in emails with the conference organizer about what possibly could be interesting about me to this audience. Now, in retrospect, I wish I would have made it a condition of my speaking at MicroConf at least a half an hour phone call with the conference organizer so I could be even more confident that I was going to be able to deliver for what that audience wants. That's why we have Jeff Becquero working at all of our DC events. He is our North Star person. He can help the speakers to determine what is interesting about them. You know, everybody that spoke at DC Mexico last month, they had a really interesting story to tell, but it's not that everybody else didn't have an interesting story to tell. And I think that that's what's important about this is like anybody can do this. Anybody can be a speaker. Now, not everybody is like comfortable being a speaker, but like these stories, these tactics, these tips, they weren't so unique that most people aren't doing them anyways. It's the fact that they were able to show us that they were doing the work and then we were able to pull together a presentation with them about the work. So I think about this kind of like, math, Dan, I don't know if you remember like back to like uh, middle school and like high school, whenever you're doing like a math equation, like your teacher's always like show the work. 
you know, because you could easily like punch it into a calculator. That's right. That's right. So the important part was that like you showed the work that you like showed the process, you showed that you understood how to get to that like final number. And I think about this like presentations and like speaking and writing as like the same way, like you actually have to like show the way that you got to the conclusion or else it's not very interesting because a lot of people get to the same conclusion. One of the tips I had here is be a success story or a process story of what that audience is all about. One other derivative to that is do something that other people aren't willing to do. So, you know, I think one of our speakers like has sort of proprietary information about marketing. They were willing to share that, whereas like other people who provide that service wouldn't share it. And so that's another really cool way to do it. Just one other thing that's emblematic about your advice, Ian, is one potential speaker walked up to me in the past few weeks and said, I've done all these amazing things, which are all true. And they're just like, I just don't know what's that interesting about me. And I thought, that's a great place to start. And that's where if you follow this idea of like doing the work in front of people, finding that North Star person, whoever does have the pulse of that audience, and then just having them help you tease out, that's part of doing the work in front of them, right? Is showing them that you actually care about the audience and not just your message. Now, how do people fail at this? I call it the mediocre reality distortion field. These are the people that are just on the other side of this fence. There's a surprising percentage of people that apply to be on the podcast that are, you know, pretty decent candidates, but they're absolutely unwilling to accept any critical feedback or intervention in their process in order to serve other audiences. This is why I call it the mediocre reality distortion field. Of course, Steve Jobs is famous for saying, I want all this software to do all these amazing things. Now go freaking do it. That's going to be the world. Well, if you're Steve Jobs, good on you. The reality is most of us are somewhere in the middle. And if you're unwilling to go through this process, one of the questions I asked Jeff recently was, a potential speaker was really disappointed for being turned down. And I said, well, did they ask the next question? And we both just smiled and we both knew what the next question was, which is, well, how could I improve it? Of course, they didn't ask the next question. I'll also offer some more unsolicited advice in this case, which is if you find yourself with the opportunity to give critical feedback to someone with a mediocre reality distortion field, I would avoid it at all costs. (laughs) 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 Because if they've already shown themselves to be a person who's primarily ego-driven, and not process-driven, they will take your critical feedback, they will lodge it somewhere deep inside their soul, and they will fucking hate you forever. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Which reminds me something that's very important about this whole thing, which is most of the people that are qualified to speak, especially at our conferences and on this podcast, do not want to do it. Yeah. (laughs) And the reason why they don't want to do it is because they're not in this distorted field. And also, it's because they don't do it for a living. I think that's one of the great things about our conferences, Dan, is that most every single talk that you've ever heard at a DC conference has never been heard before and will never be heard again. And the reason for that is because these people are practitioners. They are not preachers. We've done this experiment countless times. You sit in an audience full of hundreds of successful entrepreneurs and you say, raise your hand if you're sharing your entrepreneurial success story via social media, podcasting, blogging, and and the amount of hands that go up is minuscule. And so there is this big imbalance here. So we're still on the speaking topic, Ian. I thought uh, John Ainsworth, who recently spoke at DC Mex, had a really nice post in the DC where he talked about how much energy and effort he put into his talk along with some tips. 
And so here's just some tips that I want to quote from him. He says, write out your speech word for word. I think this is an interesting tip because actually, if you do the math on it, 20 minutes on stage isn't that many words. It's like a 1,500-word essay or 1,500 words in a bullet point outline. Well, we've talked about this before, Dan, and this is actually the way that I have to do it for myself. Now, I think that you probably do it a little bit differently, but John and I have the same process here. And let me tell you, this is a huge amount of work to write it out word for word. I mean, it takes forever to do it this way, but I have to do it because it helps me to like think through the entire process. I don't think I'm as good as you in terms of like filling space, obviously. <laughs> Listeners of this podcast know that. But when you do it this way, I think it helps you to think through the process and also your slides and what you're trying to communicate. And then inevitably, you end up ad-libbing through your presentation. But then at least you have something to fall back onto. And so I think this is a really good strategy for people that don't speak all the time is to actually write it out word for word, memorize it. It does take a lot of time. I'm not going to lie about that. But it's a sure way to deliver your message without fail. I'll say this. My guess is if every speaker at a conference actually wrote out their full talk instead of jiggered with slides and stories and went back and forth, they would net save time. Because here's the idea. If I give you feedback on one of your points and it's word number 500, you just change that sentence. And now all of a sudden that change gets saved forever. So it actually net could save folks a lot of time to write it out word for word. John also advises to practice it 10 times to record yourself and watch it back. That's the money move right there. Love it. And accept the nerves that they are your friend up there. They'll animate you just so long as you're speaking clearly and not too fast. One of the things that jumped out to me about John's approach here, Ian, is he did the math of the number of souls in the audience. So it's like there's 200 plus people sitting there for 30 minutes. And so my level of responsibility is the total time in the room. And that's what makes a great speaker is essentially caring about the audience. That's the initial tips we're talking about at the top. If you care about those souls and their time, that's ultimately you know what's going to win in the long run. Dave Chappelle gets up there and uh, records his uh, latest Netflix comedy special dan he practices that in like dingy comedy rooms for like a year yeah before he goes up there and so you know this idea that john is practicing 10 times you know Chappelle is practicing way more than that obviously he's on netflix so it matters a little bit more probably it's all to say that like put in the reps write it out word for word record it and watch it i think those are all great tips So the final question here, Ian, is what crypto y'all have? <laughs> it's funny. I love this question because it's one that I was asking at our event. I basically, here was my strategy. This is weird. I know because people demand to understand their investments. What I said was I was going to walk around the conference and ask people what their favorite token is that's not one of the big ones. And I was going to hear their argument for it. And if I thought, they were passionate and interested in it and they actually owned it, I was just going to buy it. Hmm. That was basically my investment strategy because it's worked for me so far. But the thing about right now is pretty much everything's working, which is strange. We're at an all-time high for everything. And there's real questions of inflation 
on the doorstep. I don't know. I'm tempted to say, Ian, during this process, like when we started in 2022 in the pandemic, I would say a lot higher portion of our net worths were in cash. And I think we've both been looking as to everyone else, like our cash is getting devalued. So finding assets to put it into. But it just feels like there's all the assets are going through the roof and uh, it's unclear what the right move is. Man, it just reminds me of like when you're younger, I think a lot of people, maybe I'll just put myself in this group, but you like, you want to watch the world burn. You're like, wouldn't it be exciting? Cause I don't have anything to like watch this place burn down. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're like, oh gosh, what's going to happen? Nobody knows what's going to happen, but I do want to hear about the different tokens that you own and what your idea is about them. You know, it's one of these things, not investment advice. Just going to share what's in one account here. So let's start with the tokens. I'm just pulling up. This is my Coinbase account. So it's only the tokens I can buy in Coinbase. I'll just stop with that. I want to hear shit from the audience on this. And then, yeah, send me a voicemail. Send me a write-up. Let's continue this conversation. I'm genuinely interested in these Web3 technologies. But for now, I take the old man strategy to crypto, which is I don't buy anything I'm not going to hold for five years. I just go and I buy it. I don't check the price and I just let it sit there. And that's basically my investment strategy across all asset classes. I don't want to be a professional investor. I want to run a business full-time. And so I'm only going to buy things I'm going to hold for five years, and I'm not going to be obsessed with the price. I remember when the internet was a joke. I remember when what we were doing was laughable. And I'm not going to laugh at the digitization of the finance industry and of money. I think there's something here. It's super exciting. And that's part of the reason why I've bought into all this stuff, even though I'm not understanding all the fundamental technology. I couldn't write it. I mean, I couldn't write an e-commerce store either, but that didn't mean I couldn't own one. So I do think that there's value in getting invested and sharing some of that story and learning along with the listeners here. I think the meta story of my portfolio, Ian, is at least in the short term, I'm a lot less interested in having 35% cash on my books, which was the case at the beginning of the pandemic. I'm now down to 20%. And you know, a lot of that's gone into equities. Now I'm starting to look towards real estate and to crypto. But I think this financialization of our economy, there's this divide in the West, especially America, where we were an industrial economy and like the working class jobs went away. But you got this professional class that put their money into financial products, which were incredibly innovative in the 20th century. And now you got this generation of older Americans that are going to basically one third or one quarter of Americans are going to inherit this incredible amount of wealth that was created from things like our stock market and 401ks and all these financial products we've been hearing about for decades. It's hard to wrap your mind around this idea of going out and earning a living from your business and earning a living from your job versus owning these financial products that in many cases have been outperforming our own individual ability to make money. The other thing that I think is interesting, Dan, just from like a behind the scenes perspective is I'm hearing a lot about like people obviously on Wall Street and with these big financial institutions essentially like recreating their products on crypto with zero regulation. They're obviously constrained by the SEC and like financial uh, governance systems, right? But with uh, crypto, they're not. And so like 
all these like basically Ponzi schemes and otherwise some healthy financial tools like you're able to create with no regulation. And so I think that's part of the reason, obviously, why we're seeing like these huge yields. It's unclear like if there's going to be any end to that. And it's also unclear like what the fallout's going to be. But right now, like you said, we're at an all-time high. If you understand this stuff, if you can ride somebody's coattails, it seems like an interesting time to get in. The two, I think, you know, Ian and I had a quarterly meeting last week and we talked about our financial strategy. Our main financial strategy is to use our cash pillow to focus our energy on our primary business, which is still our number one investment opportunity. And I think that's really the case until you have millions and millions and millions of liquid capital on hand. Because that's ultimately probably the biggest opportunity for most of us is building a business around these trends, you know, rather than actually the ownership of said financial instruments until you get to that, that level. And that's why uh, you know, we should probably do a future episode about the lifestyle ladder, Ian. There's a moment at which you have millions of liquid where you become you know, this sort of wholesale investor where you can make investments that make a bigger difference than a primary business could. Let's get to that in a future episode. <laughs> That's a whole episode right there. But I'm glad we just brought up this topic. We'd love to hear from you guys. What are you doing with your portfolios to adjust for what are really interesting market conditions. We'd love to hear from you. Our emails are Dan and Ian at this domain. We thank you for your questions. They inspire this show. We love joining you every Thursday morning. Have a great weekend. We'll be back next week. See you then. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.